podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is A View from the Bridge, official podcast of the Belfast Giants, kingdomofthegiants.com. My name is Dylan Newlever Cahey. On this week's show, we'll be looking back at wins against the Dundee Stars and the Manchester Storm and look forward to the games against the Fife Flyers and the Coventry Blaze in the Sky Dome and in the SSA Arena. If you want to get in touch, you can email us, podcast at kingdomofthegiants.com. Hit us up on Facebook and give us a follow on Twitter at AVFTB. Hit the music. Big thank you to Dylan for that introduction. My job's really on the line here when a fellow like that is doing such a good job. Good to hear he's doing so well. Yes, welcome to this week's A View from the Bridge podcast. An interesting weekend for the Belfast Giants. A four-point weekend for the Belfast Giants and their first road win of the season. But maybe is isn't as straightforward as it sounds and no doubt something we'll be covering as this show goes on. We'll also hear... From Adam Keefe, Danny Stewart and Aaron Murphy. First up, I want to say hello to Mr. Majimsey. How are you? I'm not bad, Paddy. You keeping well? Not not too bad. I, I just see breaking on the news there that you've gonna you're gonna have a very difficult day to manage in December, how you're gonna vote in Manchester and get back <laughs> to Belfast to vote there as well. Mate, I also have a house up in Newcastle. How am I gonna deal with that? You know what I mean? It's oh. a it's a busy day. It's a busy day. It's gonna be a busy day. It's yeah. a busy day. Mr. Kitchen, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Um, everything's good in Belfast. Well, it's been great the last couple of days. A bit cold, but um, all good, yes. And a good round of golf this morning. Uh, did okay, actually. Wasn't, I was quite pleased the way I played. The, um was out with uh, one of the Giants fans, Lee Carson, the former cab driver, and my brother Mo. So, bumped in the sheds. Um, he's trying to lower his, uh, continue to lower his handicap, but he's out with the out hands today, as he calls it. But um, Continue no, but, to lower his handicap? I thought it must be down near scratch by now. I think he's off about six or seven at the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, if you get out every day, you're, you're going to get better. So he's probably going to be on the, the seniors tour at some point. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, I, mean, I didn't say any time soon, you know. It's, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He's a competitive guy. But good uh, dear. Right, before we get stuck into the week's games or the weekend's games, uh, I just want to throw up another reminder of our Bleed Tail 100 drive. Davey, it's, uh, we've, we've, we've had a good few people tweeting in, but this has to continue. We need people to keep coming forward and, and, uh, and keep donating that blood. Absolutely, Paddy. And as the, as the winter nights draw in and people maybe start getting a wee bit comfortable and don't want to get out there, you know, let's get it done nice and early. Get yourself onto the Northern Ireland Blood Transfusion website. Get a date book then or see where in, their, in your local area they, they tend to do church halls and that kind of thing. And, you know, they're out in the community as well. So you don't always have to go into uh, the city centre to get it done. But if you can donate, please do get yourself on our list. We'll get you a pint. Our friends at Phonacab will uh, we'll, we'll donate £10. Our friends at the Odyssey will donate a pint in your name. And uh, the Northern Blood Transfusion get to save three lives So uh, with your blood. So please, please, if you can, um, join in. 
Yeah, absolutely. At this time of year, I know that the blood transfusion service, both uh, both back in Northern Ireland and over here where I live in GB, you know, it's always really short at the, when it comes to the darker nights because not as many people tend to come forward. But we would really implore you and and and, and would thank you if you would were able to go down and and give as much blood as much blood as you can, but well, within reason, within reason, says. Yeah, no, you, you can't give it all. <laughs> um, the, uh, I've uh, I had a call last week actually from the um, from the Northern Ireland uh, Blood Transfusion Service or the City Hospital. Um, I've been giving blood for a while now, and now um, I'm going to try to start giving platelets. So uh, in two weeks' time, I'll get my first appointment for the the platelets, which is um, uh, I'm looking forward to. It's a wee bit more complex and um, a little bit more time required on it, but uh, certainly for a very very good cause. And get once. When you get down there, be sure to tweet us on hashtag Bleedtail100 and we'll add your name to the list. And like I say, £10 goes from courtesy of Phonacab to the Blood Transfusion Service in Northern Ireland and you'll be able to claim your own drink towards the end of the season. Right. Let's look at the weekend's games. The Belfast Giants had a home game against Dundee and a away game against the Manchester Storm. Let's start with that game against Omar Pasha's Dundee Stars side. A, th- a 7-2 win for the Belfast Giants. The goals coming from Ronka Smotherman, Morgan on the power play, Pellic, Hook and Dupuy on the power play. Forsberg getting that seventh goal. Uh, for the for the Dundee Stars, Marquardt and Elgin Pierce, who no doubt we'll be talking about in a short while. Saves, Leclerc 35 saves, 7 against. And Owen 19 saves, 2 against. Uh, your referees were Andrew Dalton and Chris Wells. Um, Davey, I'll start with you. Seven goals, seven scores. Well, we've been talking about how the Giants had to find the back of the net, and they certainly did that. Certainly good to get uh, goals from all different lines and different players. And, of course, Patrick Vronka, as we talked about last week and in previous weeks, doing a lot of great stuff, doing a lot of great transition, a lot of setup players, but maybe just lacking a goal and, just as Andrew Dixon took the microphone, Hookie comes down, steps it down the wing and pops a lovely pass into uh, centre ice and a little forehand backhand through the through the wickets of uh, of, of Leclerc and uh, put the Giants one up and that sort of, there was a bit of a sigh of relief around the arena almost that you could feel the atmosphere lifting, you know, and obviously they, they pegged us back fairly soon after that, but, uh, you know, we went on then. Smo comes up with a lovely finish himself and, and we go on. Liam Morgan, bit of a fox in a box, scrambling around the puck line in the blue paint after a bit of a scramble and uh, sends us into the first period, break three, one up. It, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realise you were stopped. I say, I'll turn to you. The, the Giants showed a bit of an expansive game. They showed the fact that they were able to use the ice and, uh, and play a much wider game and really put pressure on uh, Omar Pasha's side. Yeah, I thought we played very, very well. and uh, You know, we always have Tend over, especially the last couple of years, we've always had a difficult game against Omar Pasha's side, uh, whether it be in Hull, Manchester, or uh, Dundee, and and he does always seem to get his players up for it, and, and they played very well for the uh, for the first potentially twenty one minutes. After that, we just lifted our game and and, and you know did very very well. I thought we were uh, I thought we were outstanding to be honest. We did you know we, for me we turned over the puck a little bit too easily in the first period. Um, there was definitely uh, plays that uh, you know we we don't normally make, um, and when they got their goal, thirty three seconds or thirty two seconds into the second period to tie it up again, 
I'm sitting thinking, oh girl, here we go again. Yeah. You know, we're 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 literally, you know, we we give we give that that was too easy. That was just too easy, and it was like a carbon copy of their first goal, apart from the finish. Um, I mean the the first goal they got the finish, which Chris Wells didn't see. I he can't believe he didn't see that. You know, fifteen feet away from it, I'm sitting at the opposite end of the rink, high up in the stand, um, and I, I called it straight away. Um, Dicker was Dicker wanted to do to try the play by play, which I thought he was really good at, um, and I'm hoping to get a couple of nights off if he can jump in there at some point. Mm. But um, you know, for him not to see that uh, and the play to continue for nearly a minute. Uh, and then all they go back and make the right decision. That was a fantastic finish by um, uh, Mark Quad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, as I say, if, if you watch the play, it was a little behind the back pass from Beauregard, um, and uh, uh, Mark Quad finished it very, very well. The second goal, more or less the same thing, a little back pass out from the boards. Um, one rebound, Owen saved the first one. He couldn't get a, the second chance to, to, to save the, the rebound effort, and Pierce put it away. And... Uh, but after that, I thought we were really good. Um, I thought we controlled the game. Um, I know that Pash was not happy uh, with his troops after that game. I spoke to him, and probably the angriest I've seen him um, since uh, since we've got the other guy in, in the last couple of years. And and he just uh, he came into the interview room and, and said, "Look, you know, let's get this over and done with." And once he he, did, he actually did the interview once, um, and then said, "Look, can I do that again?" I says, "Absolutely." So it did another interview and, and uh, let him pick which one he wanted to put out. Um, so he was very disappointed with a lot of his guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's as all coaches do, you know, not everybody plays well on, on any given night. Um, you, know, you always have a bad game. And uh, for us, um, I thought we dominated uh, on Saturday night. And uh, it was good to see a couple of guys. Davies already mentioned, Franca got off, uh, you know, got a goal. Uh, Jesse Forsberg got a goal. Lewis Hook got a goal. So, you know, it's good to see guys who don't normally get um, or haven't been getting the opportunity to put, put the puck in the net to finally get that off their back. And hopefully uh, they can push on and, and uh, have a, a really good season each as well. You, you were on, as it said, on the commentary as well, that you'd been chatting to Patrick Ronka and you were sure he, he really wanted that goal. He really wanted to, to, to get that break that duck. Yeah, I was speaking to him on Thursday morning after practice. He stayed on the ice for... Uh, for probably an hour, five or ten minutes after everybody else left. Um, funny enough, so did Hookie. Um, and he's just, you know, practicing shot from different angles. And um, and he said, I said to him, I said, Look, you're, I, you know, how are you get me on? He said, he says, I, I, I get plenty of shots. I get plenty of shots. And um, and I said to him, I said, look, as long as you're getting the shots, that's the most important thing. But you're going to score on Friday, Saturday night or Friday night. Don't be panicking. You'll get a goal. Um, as soon as he, as soon as I walked down to do the uh, interviews on Friday night, he came. He was coming out to do meet a couple of the the fans, um, and he seen me. He says, "Kitchy, Kitchy, I get the goal, I get the goal." So um, I've done it for Tubes two weeks ago. I did it for for uh, Patrick Vronka this week. Um, so I'm going to try and pick somebody else. To, That's it. Mid start this weekend as well. Start picking out the players and just letting them know. What were your thoughts on the fact that, that we had seven scorers across that? Because obviously we spoke in previous weeks about. The, the problems we've had and find in the back of the net, but to spread the scoring right across seven different scores was 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 great for the Giants. I really couldn't care less if one person scored seven <laughs> goals. Fair enough. You know what I mean? It, it's important to get the win, and and as it as, you know, this is a team sport, and it's all about you know, it's all nice for guys to get points and stuff. But you know, uh, you look at and we'll go on to talk about Sunday, obviously, and and uh, uh, Curtis Hamill. He hasn't scored for 
probably, I think it's probably five or six games he hasn't scored for. Davey will have a better idea there. But again, it's 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 certainly good for confidence. Um, as an individual, Patrick, as I say, was you know he he doesn't stay out after every practice, uh, but he's obviously concerned because he's not getting on the score sheet. Hookie and Furnace them does you know Hookie's usually one of the last guys off the ice, um, as is Jesse Forsberg and, and Curtis Leonard, um, and they're always trying to work on their games. So. Like it, it, a lot of people think they get it easy and um, and uh, you know they train for an hour and a half a day, they go to the gym and then they go home. It's certainly not hard putting your day in um, because you know you need to get your rest, especially with games coming thick and fast. And um, it was good to get a four point weekend and, and start off uh, with that win uh, on Friday night against Dundee. Uh, Paddy, what, see when you're obviously you you don't get to watch the games um, uh, live at the arena very often with with Levin and Manchester, but. What did you make of the incident uh, with um, Pierce and Pellich when Pellich went over and took Lewis Hook's spot and then the headbutt? It was a headbutt. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, well, absolutely. I, it, 100%. I think there's a level of consistency that has to happen here within officiating. That it was... The, the officials are watching that because obviously they've seen Pellich step in there to, to go side by side on on, um, on Elgin Pierce, who, let's be fair, all all game long was a bit of a pest to the Giants. And I have no issue with that. I love players like that. We've had plenty of players like that for the Belfast Giants. Uh, and, you know, it subsequently led to the, the, the fight with Dupuy. But in that incident itself, says you, you look at, obviously, uh, Matt Pellich is there to try to intimidate. He, he's seen... Uh, Pierce go at it and, and trying to act a big man. He thought, well, actually, okay, then if you want to act a big man, here I am, and he's got in his face. Now, it's up to Pierce to act whatever he wants to. He can drop the gloves, he can skate away, but what you can't do is you can't force your head into another player's head. That's a headbutt, or it's, a, it's basically using force with your, with your head. I know that um, I know that uh, Davies had a chat with, uh, with with one of the officials about it who says it was, you know, it, it, it's nothing big, no big thing, you know, it's just no big deal. But it is, it, it's an actual headbutt and you want consistency. And you look at, I think it was last season, a couple of seasons ago, David Rutherford got a suspension for something not dissimilar to that. You know, yeah. it, going at somebody with your head is a headbutt. And how it can be called, I know he was called for slashing a, a 30 seconds later and put in the box and then Pellich actually goes on to score, I believe, on that power play. But, right. it, but, I think in that instance, the referees have to act accordingly. That's a, a, a game suspension, at least, for, for, well, for a headbutt. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, for me, it was Chris Wales, I'm pretty sure, that stepped in when Pellets replaced Lewis Hook. So he's standing right there. You've got the linesman that turns around when he drops the puck and looks straight at it. So you've got two guys who are paying attention, at least two guys that are paying attention to that. Our bench reacts to it, Pellets reacts to it, and nothing. I, I just, think, I honestly couldn't believe that there was no call on that play. I think that he, you, also, was, you also, you also, sorry, Smith, you also see from Pellets' reaction is the fact that Pellets is there to try to instigate something or you know, to pull. Pierce into something like this that gets him in trouble because Pierce is obviously asking for something with the way that he's acting and he does something he headbutts Matt Pellich he uses yeah. his head and presses it in and headbutts Matt Pellich that's 
a, that's a penalty. It's a, a, a David have to correct us, but it's a, at least a game, you know, and nothing is called, which is frustrating. I talked earlier about Chris Wells missing the um, missing the goal. You, you saw you brought up and missing the uh, the goal. I couldn't believe that he missed that. It was looking at time and time again. It was right in front of him. But okay, these things happen. That is something that was not only highlighted to the referees that they saw it. It was something that the whole arena saw. So yeah. where's the where's the level of consistency? I, I don't want to get into Manchester the Manchester game too soon because there was an incident in that that made me scratch my head with regards to the referees also, which actually went in Jan's favour. But there is there is a level of consistency in that sort of officiating that you really need. Well, look, again, apart from that incident and the goal that was missed, I actually thought the officials did all right. Overall? You know, uh, yeah, I thought they were decent um, at the weekend itself. And But as I say, it's incidents like that. And I understand why we didn't cite um, the incident because Dundee were playing Glasgow the next night. Dundee were are up at the top of the league. Um, we're not going to do a favour for a team that's, you know, above us in the league. I think that's the right decision as well. However, um, it's an incident that, that this player now um, has got away with. Uh, you know, we, we talk about repeat offenders. Um, and and it, it, interestingly enough, it was Pash that thought that Elgin Pierce played really well. He thought that, you know, he challenged them to be better. Uh, he thought he was better against Sheffield and he thought he was better against somebody else that they played last. I thought it might be Manchester, actually. And then he thought he was better. He thought he was probably best player against us. Um, but it, for me, it's it's a matter of, of you know, it, it's player safety. If, if Matt Pellich, if I reckon if we had been for argument's sake, at, at that time was it 3 yes, 2? I think the score was 3 2 to us. So I think it's 3 2 to us at that stage. If we had been 5 or 6 or 7 2 up at that stage, I'm Elgin Pierce headbutts Pelly. Pelly's going to knock his bag in. Yep. And then Pelly gets the instigator. Pelly gets a 2 plus 10. Pelly gets 5 for fighting. And we've lost our captain for 17 minutes for something that the official hasn't seen. Well, there we come back to that discussion in regards to the 17 minutes of penalties. Yeah, well, well, I, I, sorry, I'm sorry jump in there. Like I, I said this last week about when we were talking about you know fighting in general. Um, and I think it was Chris Wales, wasn't it, when, when Pelly skates over into, yes. into those hooks? Like, like, I don't know exactly you know what, what Chris Wales says there, but I'm sure there's an intimation from the officials that Pellich is trying to intimidate, which is absolutely fine yes. for me. That's part of his job. Uh, as a bigger guy, you have to let the the guys that are trying to bully our smaller guys to let them know there's a bigger dog in every playground. And you know, he's just having a word in his ear. You can't use your helmet. It's as clear and as black and white as you like in the rules. And it's in the new elite league handbook. Yeah, it's Davy. What's it, what is what is exactly the rule for it? Do you want me to read it? Do you know what, David? Read it for us. <laughs> Second then, Simon, because I just didn't have that prepared because I wasn't uh, thinking you were going to ask me, but it'll not take me too long to find it. Right, the rule. Rule 142, head butting. The double uh, IHF rule. Definition, a player who uses his head with or without the helmet on to strike an opponent. One, a player who succeeds in head butting an opponent will be assessed a match penalty. New EIHL rule, a player who attempts to headbutt will be assessed a double minor. 
and a player who succeeds in headbutting will be assessed a match penalty. So, you know, was it enough to um, be assessed a match penalty? He used his head and he hit him. Yep. It wasn't it wasn't an attempt, it was a successful headbutt. It was a successful you know, used his head in the opponent's face. You know, it's you could use common sense and, and whatever, but if you're going to implement that a little slash on the gloves as a slash, well then a little helmet to the face as a head, but you know, you can't be a little bit pregnant as someone once said, you know, you've got to be you know, the rules are the rules. If you're gonna call a hook, call a headbutt. And that's just the consistency that we're looking from officials and I guess the players are looking from as well. I think Simon's absolutely right. If the scores have been slightly different at the time and you've seen what happened then later on in the game, um, you get on like a, you know, play silly games, win silly prizes and uh, John Dupuy deals with it expertly later on in the game. What do you think of that fight? Um, It was coming. Um, Pierce, for whatever reason, was running about acting the big lad and, you know, he, he... he cross-checks Dupuy two or three times on the forearm, which I'm going to I'm going to say is not a massively padded area of the arm. Simon might be able to tell you better oh, there, but it's really, not. I mean, there's a bit of padding. Uh, you mean you're depending on what a pad, what elbow pads you're wearing? Yeah, you get a little tiny bit on your forearm. I know my own elbow pads cover no, more but, sort of tricep and rather than the forearm. Why? Well, but it's more the bias. There's usually a bit of a like a, probably a, to be honest, a probably a stick width um, of a stick. Funny enough. Um, between the elbow pad and the shoulder pad, just yeah. depends on what what their equipment is. But like again, even that that incident there, David, when you when you, I I don't know if it's caught in the play. I I was watching, I was watching those guys coming out of our zone, even though the puck was inside our blue line, and yeah. the boy they're coming out of it on the defensive end, end itself, and Pierce takes a two hand slash at him yeah. on the on the gloves. No call on that, and then Pell or sorry. Uh, uh, Jean Dupuy just went, you know what, screw this, threw his gloves up in the air and fed uh, Pierce's dinner. Didn't stop feeding his dinner. You know, he was giving him dessert and all while he was on the ground. Um, and as I said at the time, he's hitting him so many rights, he's begging for a left. But, it's, um, funny. it's funny, Simon. Like, he went, Pierce went after Swindlehurst. when he, I think, and Hook. And, Hook. And, yeah. and then subsequently went after Hook as well. So, you know, if you're going to bully, you have to be able to take it back. And, you know, he, he found a willing partner in John Dupuy. He certainly didn't want any part of Matt Pellets. That's for absolute certainty. So um, that that might that might run and run over the course of the season. You know, those boys will line up against each other again. And you know yourself, going back to you know, the Ice Bowl in 1987 or whatever, you've got a long hey, memory. Hey, you're still, hey, you're hey, still, there's probably a few boys that you remember their numbers from back in those days, you know, and, and boys remember what goes on on the ice. And uh, it's, there's much... It's Matt Pellage's job. It's John Dupuy's job. Jason Bowen talked to me about his role, how he's seen his role within the Giants, and it was to stick up for for smaller, skilled players. You know, he knew yeah. his size. He knew his role. He was happy to do it. And, you know, but, 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 the role of that is changing in hockey so much. I've got to get Victoria Silverwood on, hopefully, next week's podcast to talk about, you know, the CTE and concussions and all. It is being driven out of the game. This fighting and all. It is. And I've got a problem with that. You know, I like to see the fighting. I like to see the intensity. I like to see um, a man's game. Um, And yes, I don't want anybody getting hurt. You know, it's not nice getting a punch in the helmet. 
Um, excuse the pun, <laughs> but you know, he's getting punched. I'm about to say punched ahead. What age are we? You're selling off it as well. Believable, this guy. <laughs> no, right. Let's start. You keep that in. But anyway, what a man is. It, it's getting, you know, no helmet on. You're getting a punch in the head. It hurts. It genuinely hurts. Um, but I understand you're not allowed to take your helmet off. The, you know, the what is it? You get two plus ten or something then, or ten minute misconduct. Yeah, illegal equipment. You know, I, I just think that it's coming out of the game. I understand that, but I, I, I really don't want it to come out of the game. Here, I, I know you've because you've played and all. You know, the police, the game places itself to an extent. I can't remember who it is last week. There's a game, I think it might be NHL. Somebody gets one punch knocked out, clean, sparked out. AHL. It's all over Facebook and stuff last week. The two trainers jump over the boards, you know, and then you've got the the hockey, old school hockey guys, I guess, like people like yourself, like myself, who who like to see that in the game, don't want to see anybody particularly getting knocked out and carried off the ice unconscious or whatever. But they like to see the old school, blue collar, hard hitting fights. If there's a fight, that's fine. But we're getting to a, a place in society where we know of the damage and the, the the guys that have died over the last, you know, the Belaks, those kind of guys that have done that for a living, took a lot of punches to the head um, after their careers were over, you know, and after they've died. Sadly, you know, their their brains have been tested and have this CTE, and you know. It's a job, right? Yep. And my job, you're not supposed to get punched on, and thankfully you don't. I've seen it a few times on sites, but you know it's it's not part and parcel of the of being a quality surveyor. But is it okay just because you play in a physical sport? Can you have that physical sport hard hitting? Um, the referees they enforce the the stick play and the, the bad hits and fighting just not be part of it. Why is it acceptable? And I say this as someone who likes it. Why is it acceptable when there are four people on the ice to enforce the rules and the two referees and the two linesmen, they're there to enforce non-foul play? Um, why is it okay for two guys to just try and drop each other, to try and punch each other unconscious? In, in 2019, knowing what we know about brain injuries and stuff, it's a, it's a fantastic... It's something that I definitely, let's get Victoria Silverwood on. Let's get a player on. Let's get a Paxton Schulte, somebody who's done it. And Paxton wouldn't disagree with you that I think the amount of punches Paxton took in his career have affected him in later life. Um, would he change that? Would he change what he did in his career? Probably not because he loved it. Jason Bowen loved being that guy, loved being the go-to guy that looked after his smaller teammates. It's just, I'm not sure where I stand on it in... Would I want my son, I don't have a son, but if I did, would I want my son to go into that sport where he could quite literally be one punch away from his career being over? You could also uh, you could also throw in some of the, uh, what do you call that fella that uh, used to captain us and moved to the Cardiff Devils? What's his name? Can't think. Can't remember. But he's a, he's a guy who had that role in the AHL and then subsequently stepped away from that role, arguably, to become more of a goal scorer, more of a playmaker. So, you know, they, a, a sort of a change in career if you look at it that way might be worth mm. talking to him as well certainly worth certainly worth discussion David we should put that together for uh, for one of the forthcoming shows we've, gonna... we've certainly got we've got a guy coming on later on here to answer TFAs yeah. and it's maybe something we're going to drop, drop a small question in towards I'll ask him later on but you know it's I don't what's, what's your tuppence worth there Simon? 
I, I mean, again, I, I just like saying uh, a competitive game. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of hits are getting penalties now that, in my opinion, shouldn't. Um, a perfect example was Matt Pellich a couple of weeks ago against Glasgow. He got a penalty for apparently boarding. And, you know, it's, it's no more boarding than, 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 uh, than half the ones I've seen this season uh, that weren't called. Um, I, I just think it's getting it's getting a softer game. Um, I, I think it's you know that that's the, that's the guy. It's not Tiddlywinks, guys. Um, this is this is a professional sport. I've already said I certainly do not want to see any player face down on the ice. It is not a nice feeling. I've been in that position before, um, and I don't want to see anybody being carried off the ice. Uh, sticking up for your teammates, I was the first one in every single time, probably from my own worst part of my, my game as well. But I'm not going to see how one of my teammates taken. Um, you know, a stick to the head or whatever it may be at that stage, and that just wouldn't have happened. Um, but as I say, they're not allowed to place the game themselves anymore. It's officials are stepping in between guys to stop fights. Um, it happened on Saturday night. Um, you know, Swinney was was yep. you know I think Swinney was going to go with Elgin Pierce, yeah, and then the two linesmen okay. stepping in to the box. You know, absolutely. And the big thing about that is, and this this is looking at that from a perspective of. Swinney, I, th- I genuinely think Swinney would have dropped the gloves if Elgin Pierce had dropped the gloves. I don't think I would be an issue. And then we're lo- they're losing an import. We're losing a British defenseman. And with the greatest respect to, to Paul Swindlehurst, you know, that's a good trade-off. That's a smart play by Paul Swindlehurst. And, you know, I, I just think that it's getting soft. And I don't like the way the game's going, if I'm honest. I, I-, I love seeing a big head centre. I mean, Rainer did one the other night. Um, he, he actually did one against uh, Kevin DeFore um, right at our bench in the third period and DeFore played the rest of the night but he didn't go anywhere near Kevin Rain. but it's just I, I think it's an interesting point David you know I think we should maybe get uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Vick on and, and, and get our views on it I know she was on um, on our podcast what he had 4,000 and counting um, a few weeks ago and uh, I, I just think that that they, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for uh, a Sean McMorrow. I'm not looking for uh, Jason Rushton type of, of of guy, you know, but I, I want our guys to stand up for our team. Um, I want them to, you know, if they have to drop the gloves and, and you know, and, and punch the face of somebody, I want that to happen. I don't want anybody getting hurt. But Second period reminded me of a movie of Slapshot. There you go. <laughs> uh, sorry for coming. Kind of, says come. No, that's that. I'm happy enough finishing there. I mean, Slapshot, absolutely not. A brilliant movie, absolutely one of the best <laughs> hockey movies ever. I don't want to go down that line. I think no. it's it's mad and mad and mad way from that happen. But I do want to see this physical, fantastic sport continue um, the way it, it you know the way it should. Um, officials. I've already said I thought the officials did okay uh, on Saturday. They missed a couple. You're always going going to you, you, if you don't see something happen, that's fair enough. And uh, interestingly enough, there was a referee that we ripped the crap off la- out of last year. It was Blake Copeland, um, and I spoke to a couple of boys about the officials last week at training. And the every well, the three guys that that played last season for us, um, Jordan Smotherman, um. Garside, and Taff was actually the third one. He wasn't playing, but he was on the bench. 
And they all said that his game, as in his officiating, has completely changed this year because he's coming over and he's explaining his decisions. If it's a call against the chance, he's explaining it to Adam Keefe and then he's explaining it the way coach as well. And that's all you can ask for. Mm. Communication is key at this game. It's absolutely key. But if guys want to fight, get out of the way. I saw you. Just move out of the way and get stuck in. And then take him to the penalty box. I saw your tweet at the weekend about Nigel Owens in the rugby, and I think that's absolutely right. Communication is key, and that, you can 100%. see that in so many other times. I'm going to move it on, gents, because I know we've got a few bits and pieces to do before we speak with Adam Keefe. Uh, the highlights from the game against the Dundee Stars, that 7-2 victory, of course, you can get from Belfast Giants TV. And, of course, there's the game report and all the post-game interviews on kingdomofthegiants.com. And we move to... Saturday's game against the Manchester Storm in the Drizzle Dome in Altrincham. Um, it was a 6-5 shootout victory for the Belfast Giants, their first road victory of the season. But it wasn't a straight, well, of a 6-5 victory, uh, it was an interesting one. Uh, the Giants goals, a hat-trick for Hamilton Farnham. Lake got the other two, and Hamilton was also credited with the shootout winner. For the Storm, the goals came from Hope, Ulmer, Fawcett, Critchlow, and Earhart. Um, Matt Ginn only played about half the game. 29 minutes played, uh, 18 shots against, 5 goals against. In came Adam Long, a 24-year-old uh, goalie, backup goalie for the Manchester Storm, uh, 35 minutes played, 13 shots against, no goals against. Uh, Shane Owen on the other side, 44 shots against and uh, five goals against. Um, your referees were Dean Smith and the aforementioned Blake Copeland. <sighs> right, so the Belfast Giants went 5-1 up in this game. Uh, in came Matt Ginn. Uh, sorry, in, out went Matt Ginn, who'd uh, conceded the five goals. In came... Uh, Adam Long, but the Belfast Giants didn't score after that, and the Storm scored four more to force overtime. In the overtime, the Belfast Giants had a two-minute power play, but it still couldn't score, and it went to the shootout. They took the win. That's the summation in my head. I've got a lot more to say, but Davey, I'll start with. Oh no, so actually, says I'll start with you. Um, I started with you last time, Davey, so you know, got to keep it I was, fair. I was prime. Right? You, are, you may be prime. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it fair. <laughs> okay. Mr. Kitchen. Good at the no problem. You sure? Oh, well, all right. Well, Davey's prime and ready. 30 minutes good, 30 minutes bad. Um, not even. Um, more like 25 good. Rest. You know, it's very um, difficult to be too down on, like, we got the away win. We got it at night. Uh, did we? We got the away win. Yeah. Um, we got the two points. Regulation should have happened. You don't, you know, a team of the Belfast Giants' quality, depth, shouldn't go five-one up on the road and scramble, scramble an extra point in a penalty shootout. Just shouldn't happen. Like I, I don't think I'm being overly critical to say that just shouldn't happen. Okay, we should have went on and won that game. They've put their back up netminder in. We should have comfortably won that game. It kind of hinged on the Giants actually came out very well. I think. A little thing that Simon said earlier on there too, but giving the puck, turn the puck over a little bit easier, and we did that again on on the Sunday game, you know, or or Saturday game. Sorry, um, well Saturday wasn't it? Saturday was indeed Saturday. Yeah, um, it's Friday, Saturday this week. Apologies. Um, we turned the puck over a little bit easier. See when we got five one up. As soon as that happened, um, Ryan Finnerty calls a timeout, and um, 
we, we come straight back into it and we take, I think Lewis Hook goes for slashing or something. We play two minutes in the penalty kill. So that first two minutes, we haven't really got a shot down the ice. We're, we're just killing penalty. Um, as soon as that's, you know, as soon as that's killed, a couple of seconds left on it, actually Kevin Rain throws the puck over the, over the glass by accident. We're, we're killing again for, um, you know, we're going straight back on the penalty kill. Lewis Hook takes him then for boarding. And I think he's lucky just to have got the two minutes. Yeah. And suddenly we're facing a five on three. Yeah. So we've been sort of four or five minutes just constantly in the penalty kill. We've conceded. Then I think Jean Dupuis had one breakaway. And um, Guinness came out and he's looked, he's, he's looked either exhausted or injured. But he's came out and as soon as that whistle's been blown down, he's, he's out for the rest of the game. Um, I think we take another penalty, and, and we we concede just before the end of the period, on to, to make a five three, and from five one up, and absolutely comfortably in charge of the game. Uh, we took the penalty. Slash. Yeah, we we were creative, we were transitioning well, we were getting a decent amount of rubber on Gin, but I think for a post and a bar, it could have been six or seven, um, and then. I, I, we seem to just shut it down a little bit. Uh, you know, I think you're probably much better. We have, I've only seen it on the TV here, but you were there. But we didn't really get all that dirty in the in the third period. We didn't get a lot of rubber. We'll go into three on three overtime. We only put one shot on that. You know, we're creative in that three on three overtime. We should be better. And okay, it goes a penalty shot, and we come away with the with a, a comfortable enough penalty shot win. But I go back right to the start of my my. You know, speedster. Five one up, home or away, Belfast Giants need to shut it down and win that game, or go on, keep the foot in the throat, and go on and win the game comfortably. And I don't think it's being despising to say, especially with an Adam Long and Nets, with no disrespect to him, these young backup goaltenders will not make the same percentage amount of saves as a Matt Gitt. Okay, so you put the same amount of rubber on both goalies, you should score more against an Adam Long. So, you know, it's up to us to keep going, to have a fire in the belly, to go on and, and, and finish these games out. Two points is two points is two points, and they're as important now, but regulation wins. You look at the, the final standings of the table last year, we won the league on regulation wins. Were we two compl- points. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say the says Were we complacent? Yes, I think so. Um, I, I, Davey's absolutely right. It was, you know, it was a game of two halves. You know, it's not football, but it was a game of two halves, and um, you know, we're getting five one up there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm expecting as the uh, I was out working and I, I didn't get to watch the game at that point. I watched it since. I watched the first period back on Sunday night, and then I watched the rest last night. Um, but you know, we we have to be better. Um, again, we listen to the interview that you did with uh, with Adam after the game, and um. He's taken a lot of the blame, and I, I don't no. think it's it's Adam's fault. No, you know it's uh, it's it's guys that maybe switching off. It's um, we we need to be better. We need to put the foot on the throat, as big Need Russell would say, um, and just keep going. And and we didn't, you know, putting uh, Adam Long. I think it was fifteen shots he faced, and I'm pretty sure it was only one. In uh, OT, yeah, um, you know that's not good enough. It's it's really not. The, the bottom line is we went there to win a game and we won a game. Davy's right again when he says about 
regulation wins. They are important. You need to pick up those points. Um, you know, we've went from being last place two weeks ago to fourth now, and we've still got a couple of games in hands in the team above us. Um, I think our league form is is probably being people being overcritical about it. I don't think it's actually that bad, and, and we're certainly in a better position after uh, eight games than what we were last year. Um, we've more points. We're um, you know maybe not scoring as many goals, but that, that, I think that's going to come along at, at one point. But when you get the chance to put these teams away and they bring their backup goaltender in, teams, it doesn't mean, say we had a brought Dicko in. If Dicko plays in that game in that position when we're uh, 5-1 down, we're doing exactly the same as what Manchester did. They tighten up around him. They give yep. him more support than an import goaltender. It's natural. Um, you know, you, you certainly don't want to hang the kid out to dry. And, um, and his, um, I think it was his first EIHL game, um, you know, where he's getting regular regular minutes. And, um, and he did okay. You know, he's, he's got to give him a pat on the back. He, he came in, he, he, he did what he had to do. And, um, and unfortunately for him, he's lost out in, in the shootout. Um, the bottom line is we went in to get two points and we got two points. Uh, but I know Adam will be very disappointed the way uh, and the manner in which he won. Um, watching his interview with Packer after the game and then listening to the one uh, that you did with him, Paddy, again, you know, he, he certainly takes a wee bit more blame than what I think he should. Um, and I, I, I've said it the week before when I was on the podcast, our guys need to step up. Uh, I think we have. Uh, stepped up. I think we played better in the last couple of weeks. But if we do that, the Cardiff Devil team or a Sheffield Steeler team or a Nottingham Panthers team, and you're five one down and let them get that back to five five, we're losing in, in, in regulation in another time. They will play. They will put us away. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm just sitting there thinking of a, a, about adding my own thoughts on the game, but it's just that. I don't get mad now, Pat. <laughs> well, I think uh, you said you were working. No doubt that you looked at your phone and saw a stream of just like thirty or forty angry WhatsApp messages about the, I, during I, that game. I remember, Patty. I'm sorry. I remember Davey sending me a text going five one up. I'm way for a pint. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And yeah, I'm so happy it is. So, fa- so at five to give you to give you like my mindset as that went up five one up. I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a great post-game interview because we had seven goals the night before. We're 5-1 up here. I'm going to ask the coach, coach, we found our scoring touch. And then they bring in Adam Long, and I think, happy days. This is going to get even better. Well, after, what, after what had happened the last couple of games there, the, the loss at the end of last season, the loss at the start of this season, you know, the difficulties that we had in that rink, finally we found a way to get past this storm and actually put a, stamp a bit of authority on the game in that rink. And, and as it's the one that's just down the road for me right now, it's, it's somewhere I'd like to you know, have a smug grin. And I walked out of there with a win, but more disappointed with the win than I was with the loss earlier in the season when I thought we played excellently. And it was just down to the fact that, the, the like you say, the 30, 35 minutes, especially after Adam Long came in, we shut down. We stopped playing. And you say about you, Adam Long faced 15 shots or whatever he faced. I struggle to think of maybe two or three that actually challenged the kid. And fair play to him. You're absolutely right. He did do what he had to do, but we didn't give him much to do. And you say about having one shot in overtime when we had a full two-minute power play, 
And we were giving up shots. We were passing to try to find that perfect shot instead of trying to use the fact that there were guys screening him to, to take a pot shot on a kid in the net. And it just became more and more and more frustrating as that game went on. And the momentum started to build for the Manchester Storm. And I started thinking to myself, they're coming back into this. They're going to equalise. And, it, you know, Andy Kay on one side, who was, you know, he was looking at me. I'm saying, well, I don't know what to think of this game. And, you know, it was my friend Alex the other side. I'm not, that's not for me to say, but I was certainly giving him... <laughs> he was seeing the mouthfuls of abuse that was coming from me as that game just went on and on because the Giants just stopped playing and started handing it to the uh, handing it to the Storm, who were more than pleased to take it on, and it just the frustration grew and grew and grew, and then when when five five, I just thought, well. How on earth has this happened? How have we coughed up four goals in the space of, you know, thirty minutes, to, to, from a dominant position to put us? Now, a win's a win's a win. We needed a road win, and in the end, we've got out. We've got out a road win, and that's great. But I think that you know, there's going to be a lot of. We'll talk to Adam Keith in just a few seconds. But there's a there's going to be a lot of. Um, a lot of learning points from this game. Guts on out a road win at last, absolutely. But for it to be to be five one up, and for the the to end five five in regulation, as you say, Davy, we need regulation wins. Um, on that note, for jumping, Pat, I think you jump and put up a bring point. Um, you know, we need to learn from it. Yeah. I think that's important. Um, you know, Adam will take away the positive, the positive, sorry, from the game. He'll look at the negatives as in the last 30 minutes. And, you know, he'll learn from it as well. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to be close to the team now for a number of years and and through a few coaches. Um, I've never seen anybody working as hard as Adam Keith. Mm. That's a coach. Never. You know, the guy you know, on a game day, he's in the arena, half seven, eight o'clock, parks in the same spot every single time. Um, because he's first in the bloody car park, um, you know, and he's the last to leave. He, you know, he, he he's on a par with Taff at the minute. Um, you know, Taff and him would probably be in about the same time, and um, and then going home at the same time. I know Taff is there until um, after uh, one a.m. On, on Saturday, Friday night, sorry, and then packing the gear early Saturday morning to get the flight um, on Saturday at lunchtime. So you know, it's certainly not going to be for a lack of effort. It's not going to be for a lack of of detail and, and uh, you know, going through to make sure everything is in place to be the best we possibly can. But he will learn from us, no doubt about that. The highlights from this game are yet to go online from uh, from Storm TV, but we'll keep an eye out for that and tweet them up when they become available. Before we hear from Adam Keith and ask him your fan agenda questions, uh, we're going to point you in the direction of KingdomOfTheGiants.com. On uh, on Tuesday night, we tweeted up a uh, or posted up uh, an interview that Simon did with Steve Thornton in the period break against the Dundee Stars. Uh, that's online. You get it on our SoundCloud account, SoundCloud account, uh, SoundCloud.com forward slash AVFTV, and of course at KingdomOfTheGiants.com. Let's hear before we speak to Adam Keith a little clip of that. When you look at you, you talk about uh, pressure and you talk about uh, you know the, the the way you look at it from yourselves itself, Adam Keith, um, I mean you you see what the workload he puts into it. I mean he sent me a text last night with the lines at, at nearly midnight, and you know he's in here at eight o'clock again this morning. The, the time and the effort they put into it, it's not just he doesn't just have to concentrate about what's on the ice. No, uh, and that's 
Yeah, the coaches in this league do a lot. Keith Keeper is a special one. Like we're, we're obviously thrilled with uh, what he's done for the organization, not just as a coach, but a player as well. But, you know, we took him on as our coach. We knew that we were getting a, a true leader, you know, probably one of the best leaders I've ever seen. And when you have a guy that's working that hard, it's hard not to follow. And this is when, you know, the game's really easy up top here when we're watching it and we're, we're seeing kind of guys make plays or not make plays. And this is probably where the biggest frustration I have or wh- why I get frustrated because I see how hard keepers work. And I see you watching the games yeah, like, yeah. right there beside us. Like I, I was, <laughs> Every year I was getting slightly better at being able to watch the games. This year I've taken a dip for some reason. But it, when I see a lack of effort, you know, that's that's what kills me. Yeah. You know, like uh, guys can make physical mistakes. And, and, and mental mistakes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mental mistakes, we try to limit as much as we can. And that's yep. a lot of the coaching and stuff. But the puck is going to bobble over guys' stick. You're going to get out-muscled at times. You're going to make a bad read on the play. But when it's a lack of effort, it, it absolutely kills me, especially yeah. when you have a coach like Kiefer who's putting in all the effort. Um, so th- those are the things that I want to see a little bit uh, more of. And I'm not calling guys out for lack of effort. It happens in every league. Uh, but I think for us to win, you know, you need the same effort that we had against Liberec against the teams that we're playing now. Time for the Farm Agenda brought to you by our friends at Belfast Giants TV. And this week, uh, a man who's always very generous with his time to hear out of you from the bridge, be it on the fan agenda or just the general interview, it is, of course, the head coach, Adam Keefe. How are you, mate? Not bad. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, a four-point weekend. Uh, obviously, we spoke on Saturday uh, about the complications that took place in the Manchester game, but reflecting on it a couple of days later, what are your thoughts? Oh, obviously, I've watched the game back since then, and... Um... You know, we certainly took the foot off the gas, and we also coupled that with uh, the penalty trouble, which gave them life. And um, you know, it does feel like in that building when you give Manchester life, and uh, it, it's tough to regain your composure. It's not the first time we've been in that uh, scenario. Um, that being said, uh, it's never a good thing to give up a five-one lead um, in a league where a regulation win can can cost you uh, a league championship uh it's something that uh i don't lose focus on and um we certainly wanted to make that known on our in our group and you know it's a long year and um we certainly are very happy to get the two points but um we needed to take that lesson out of it that we, we can't be giving away regulation wins when we, when we have the game uh kind of sealed up we need to make sure that we see it through and 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 get that win in regulation. Coach, it's Davey. Um, we obviously heard you talking in the interview with Patty, and, and as you've done on, on many occasions, results maybe went the the way we hoped that, you know, you take a lot of blame, you take a lot of responsibility for this yourself, and that's 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 great as a, as a player. Your, your coach does that for you. Does there come a time when you have to actually, I'm not asking you to name names, not asking you to throw players on the bus, but as in the position you're in, is, does there come a time where you have to look at it and go, we know the players are responsible here for what's going on. You know, from a coaching perspective, you've talked about it. We we should really turn a 5-1 lead into a regulation win. It's not really a coaching issue. That's a personnel issue. That's that's people not maybe application well enough through the rest of the game. Is there a time when you don't take that responsibility yourself? I think we all need to be accountable to ourselves. Uh, the players need to be accountable to themselves and their teammates and and the coaching staff and, and the coaching staff needs to be accountable to the players. Uh, I'm no different. Um, 
you know, certainly there's things that uh, I would like our guys who have done better in that game, and there's things that I would have liked to myself to have done better in that game. And um, composure was one that uh, we seem to have lacked there in a trying time uh, in a tough building where, like I said, they can get away from you real quick once you give them life. Um, I think they really rallied around, or rallied around their, their goaltender change and tightened up defensively, and uh, we didn't get a whole lot of looks from then on. And um, you know, we could have we took. Uh, you know, I mean, it would, may have taken something to get regain our composure, and, and I think that's that frustrated me the most with, with myself was not being able to regain that composure uh, that you need to have in those sorts of games where. You know, you gave up two power play goals, let them back in the game. Okay, now let's let's settle down and uh, get back to playing the way we know we can and play smart. Uh, we were unable to do that, so I was a bit frustrated with myself for that. Uh, obviously, I'm frustrated with, with the players as well for um, the same, uh, I guess, same reasons. But, uh, you know, once we get out of that game and we take a step back, we need to check it and, and learn from, uh, I guess, that meltdown, uh, I would refer to it as, in the last half of the game and, and move on. I mean, at the end of the day, we did get four points on the weekend and, and our first road we, our first road win. So um, it is tough to be upset with that, albeit uh, we certainly went about it the, the hardest way possible. Adam, 20 games into the season, six CHL, six um, Challenge Cup and, and eight in the league now. How happy are you? Uh, where where you're sitting right now? Um, obviously, I'm not happy with with the way we've got to where we are uh, in terms of some of the stretches we've had. But if you take a step back again from that and look at the fact that we are through in the Challenge Cup and we're waiting our opponent for the quarterfinals. Um, in terms of win percentage, we're right up there with the Cardiff Devils for for top of the league, and um, you know, we but we still need to do the the business when, when it comes to these games in hand. I mean, they're not uh, no game in this league is easy to win, so um, you'd much rather have the points on the board than have games in hand. I think at this stage, so we certainly need to do the job uh, when it comes to our games in hand. And just continue to try and and maintain some consistency. I think if we can get that, I think if if anybody in this league can get that right now at the moment, uh, you'll start to put some distance between yourself and some teams because the way that the league is going right now, it seems that everybody's beating anybody on on any given night. So um, it's kind of a race to find that consistency level right now in this league. Coach, one I suppose one of the major positive take out of that that weekend that's just gone. 10 different scores, you know, what we've been over the last couple of weeks, maybe struggling to find the net just as consistently, but for everyone, a lot of the guys to get themselves in the score sheet must have been a big positive for you. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it was nice for, uh, you know, to put up, I think we put up uh, 12 goals in the weekend or, or 11, um, but just to have, uh, you know, put up that many goals and, and get the guys, uh, you know, start to feel confident in, in their scoring abilities and, and trying to loosen up the grip on their sticks. Uh, and once you get that confidence going, that swagger back, uh, you know, we're a dangerous team. Uh, you know, I think one thing we could take away from that weekend is we can tighten up defensively now. Um, 
we do that, if we're going to score four and five goals a game and we tighten up defensively, I like our odds. As we normally do, we open these uh, open this se- section up to the fans for the for a few questions. Chris Revel on Twitter, third season in now, coach. What have you found to be the most single most challenging aspect of being a coach? Um, I think it's, it, it still continues for me to be time management and what I spend most of my time on. Um, sometimes I'll find myself cutting a lot of video and not using a lot of it so I might use my time wisely uh, could I be doing other things to help the team and those types of things uh, you know you, you find yourself trying to do a, a lot and maybe not focusing on one particular thing that, that we need that we need to sharpen up on uh, so for me it's uh, uh, those things but I mean there's a lot of little things within uh, coaching that, that I need to improve on and I think that, uh, that I can't really put my finger on one thing there's a lot of things i need to improve on and i'm just like the players we're, we're trying to get better every day and for me from a year year uh, there's always something new every week that i learn or, or I figure out that i need to improve on so um for me it's just a work in progress and, uh i'm doing the best i can with, with where i'm at and, and just wanting to, to learn as i go so um I think the the single handedly most challenging thing, just to get back to answering the question, I suppose, um, has been the turnover in players from year to year since I've got here. Is it's tough going into a year and and having to um, basically start from scratch and 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 revisit the way we want to play, and uh, you know it, it does take time. Uh, and I think that we've seen that last year with the way we started the season and we've seen that this year as well. So um, it's not, uh, it's not my imagination, but uh, you know, so those things comes down to me being able to break down the, the way that we want to play and communicate uh, clearly to the players um, so that we're all on the same page. And once we get that, uh, we'll be fine. We've got another one in from Ross Hamilton saying, do you think the Champions League affected the start to our league or Challenge Cup? Um, it's a tough one to say, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, I certainly wouldn't take it away from from our start. I think we earned that right to be in that tournament. And, um, for it was certainly a big draw for the players coming in to to play in that as well. It certainly takes a bit of the focus away from the league and and the Challenge Cup, the Champions League. Um, that's just a fact. Um. But, you know, it's just like I was asked this question last year with the Continental Cup, and um, it's another trophy. It's another competition that we want to win. And uh, my mindset and and I think our team's mindset is every game is a a must-win game for us. And it doesn't matter what competition it's in. We have a competitive group that wants to win every game. So uh, we just need to... Uh, you know, approach it that way. Uh, you know, now that with all that being said, now that the Challenge Cup group stage and the Champions League is over, it is uh, nice to completely focus on on the league uh, title chase. Coach, it's Dave Aikian. I'm going to ask you a bit of a give you a bit of a lead into this question. We're going to have a bit of a special show coming up about fighting, stroke physicality within the game, and we had the incident last weekend where. Matt Pellets 
takes a forward slot to have a word in, in Pierce's ear and Jean Dupuy later in the game ends up having a little little tilt with with uh, with Pierce over the head of it. And how perhaps fighting is or isn't going out of the game and how players are maybe worried about fighting because officiating tends to give a two plus five plus ten with almost every fight now. And um, you know, how acceptable it is with what we know in 2019 about the literally hundreds of cases of CTE of, of people that have passed away and and players playing with these these injuries now. How acceptable is fighting in the game in 2019 with what we know? And that, I guess, is a difficult question as someone who effectively earned their living being in that sort of policeman role. Yeah, I think I like where the game is at now. I mean... It's still very much a part of the game. Um, yeah, obviously a lot less of it. Um, and I think that there's a lot of reasons behind that. You named a lot of them. But uh, I think one of the main ones within this league is the league has gotten so much better that, well, one, there's less players that do it in the league. Two, it's so competitive that, uh, you know, sometimes you, we can't afford to lose a guy for five seven 17 minutes and um or you can't afford to potentially sway the momentum so there's a lot of things and i think those things were starting to creep into the game um when i stopped playing and i certainly went through those those battles every day in my mind or every weekend in my mind with when is the right time to fight it was obviously for a purpose, but sometimes, I mean, oh, I'd be lying if there wasn't. Sometimes I was thinking, I need to get a fight at home here. I mean, it's it's <laughs> been a little bit dull here. So um, it's obviously finding the right moments, and you want it to, to be a part of the game and, and happen naturally and not be forced to, or, uh, I guess, a, a distraction from the game. But... Um, it's a tough one. I think mean, you expect these players. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not sending players out to fight. That's that's not my. Uh, that's not me, and then that's not uh, the way that I coach or anything like that. Uh, not, nobody had to tell me when was the right time to fight or anything like that. So you know, I let the players play and, and police the game themselves. Um, I think that. Uh, I mean, it certainly has has dwindled and. You touched on on the uh, I guess the the research behind uh, CTE and and just repetitive brain trauma and I think the players are just more aware of this so they're a little bit more uh, I guess scared of, of what could come in the future and so I think that that plays a part in a lot of uh, I guess the less fights in in hockey and also just like I said the. Uh, the competitiveness and the, and the skill of the players now has picked up so much from league to league that um, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to have a guy that can only fight on your roster. That's for sure. That you just don't see it anymore. So these players need to be able to play. And um, you know, once they're able to play, you need them on the ice as well. So it's uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I think the fights fighting will never leave hockey. I think it'll always be there. It'll. But it's going to be part of the game, and it's going to happen uh, naturally. Adam, I just want to touch on. Uh, I know you don't like singling out guys, um, but I want you to single out one for because you know him for so long. Um, Mark Garstay, ten seasons uh, as a giant, testimonial year. You spent 
a lot of time on the ice with him. Um, obviously, a lot of time off the ice and away games and what have you. Um, but how much of an impact has he had uh, this year, being a two-time rookie uh, champion? Um, <laughs> and obviously, you know, you know, even though he probably doesn't look it, sometimes he's he's in his thirties now. He's a very experienced member of your squad, um, and for me, it looks like he's taken Patrick Vronka uh, under his wing. Um, even though I find it hard to say, or, you know, hear what Mark Garcia talks about sometimes. <laughs> Patrick Vronka, Patrick Vronka's English is is improving, but he's having to listen to the the Gary uh, with a Scottish accent. But uh, how important has he been for you this season? Well, first off, I think if Mark Garcia is teaching Patrick Vronka. To speak English, we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, I think oh, Gars is uh, he's reliable. I mean, he's been reliable since since I got here in my playing days. And he was, uh, uh, I think, you know, Daryl Lloyd and myself, we counted on him to be that reliable centerman that um, took care of, the, the, I guess, the play defensively while we ran wild like madmen. Um, we always knew that the mark had our had us covered, and uh, you know he was he was a great centerman for us. And I think that uh, the way that he skates and the way that he uh, escapes pressure um, made for a, an easy transition into a defenseman, and and for him to be able to play you know, center and defense uh, on any given. I mean, you should see him in practice. He's he's doing it both all all practice. So. Um, you know, it only adds to his toolbox that he's a, he's available for both positions, and um, it, certainly, like I said, uh, he was reliable when I played on his line, and he's reliable uh, now that I'm coaching him. And you know, one thing that people maybe don't know about him is he, he keeps the room real loose, and uh, he's another guy that's been around here for a long time that can kind of show players around, and uh, you know, just. Uh, share that experience with, with the guys that are new to new to the league or new to the city and I think that that's very important when you got guys uh, you know, 13, 14 new players coming in here um, don't know the league, don't know the city uh, it's very important that we have not just myself and Jeff Mason and Rob Stewart uh, and Smotherman telling these guys you, you got guys in the locker room that are uh, able to share their experience with, with league title chases and um, how much each game means and, uh, you know, how to prepare for certain road trips, all these little things uh, um, that a guy like uh, Mark Garside comes in, in real handy for. Um, like I said, uh, his ability to to be a utility guy that can play forward in defense is, uh, you can't replace that. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time. I'm going to wrap things up with just a f- couple more questions from the fans on Twitter. Uh, John Smith, last season, Omar Pasha played a couple of shifts when they were down a few players. Would you ever consider listing them back up again? Oh, I did that my, my first year behind the bench. Um, Can I jump in here? Can I jump in? <laughs> I've seen him. I've hey, I've seen him doing line rushes. Let him stay behind the bench. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is that my is that on my ability or on my condition? Oh no, no, there's no problem with your ability. <laughs> there's never been a question with your ability, but um, um, your, your crossovers could be improved this year. Like, 
like I just I I just said there uh, previously on the fighting question. Uh, the game is is evolved so much as well, ability wise. I'm not sure I'm there anyway. So, um, to answer your question, no, uh, I'm too far gone now. Uh, I did it my first year behind the bench. I thought that uh, it was tough then, and I certainly couldn't imagine having to to get into a game now. I mean, certainly. Um, in my head, I'd want to do it if we were down so many bodies, and and I want that's just the type of player that I would, I would want to be out there helping the guys and, and trying to make sure that we we weren't taking on any more injuries. Uh, at the same time, uh, I'm no dummy. I, I understand I'm, I'm too far gone. My condition is not there, and uh, I'd likely end up costing the team. So. To answer your question, no, uh, behind the bench is, is where I'll be staying this year. Uh, Stevie Thompson, uh, as a player or a head coach, uh, what's been your favourite ever Giants game? Um, well, there's been a few, to be honest here. Uh, obviously, the, the, most of the championship games have been, have been uh, my favourite ones. I mean, I remember way back to my very first year, the Sheffield home game, uh, I think it was the day before St. Patrick's Day. Yep. Um, it's always one. It's always one that, like yourself or, or, or Daryl Lloyd, all pick up on. It was a really special game. That. Yeah, it was. I think it was one. I think it was probably because Sheffield was the the team that was chasing us, and mm-hmm. we had a doubleheader against them. So um, to play in that game and and realize if if we had won that game, I think we'd even just had to tie that game, but. Uh, to get off, you could just tell that we all knew um, what was at stake and we weren't going to be denied that game. And The atmosphere was awesome and just uh, it was it was a game that I won't forget. So I uh, know those, those teammates from that year were, were up there with some of my most favorite teammates. So uh, to go through that my first year, my first experience in, in – Belfast uh, obviously is a big reason why I'm still here, um, and then I think there's there's many games that I'm probably missing and all that. I mean, this, the third, the second time we won the Elite League, there probably wasn't many games that I remember to be honest with you because we, we actually kind of won it too easily. <laughs> so um, there wasn't really one I can really put my hand, my finger on. I mean, there was I guess there was a couple Nottingham weekends or where we had had real success there and i think we ended up winning at uh, at a local restaurant there so um <laughs> local was, restaurant. yeah so i mean those those all good memories and then obviously as a coach uh, the challenge cup uh, games were were awesome and i think that 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 doubleheader weekend versus cardiff last season was pretty special because we knew that that had kind of put us right back into the title chase and uh, we knew that it was still going to be a tough sledding the last month of the season but uh, obviously now looking back a big part of the reasons why we can call ourselves uh, reigning elite league champions and the final question from Twitter is who was better at sewer ball between you and Kevin Surrett and that question comes from Kevin Surrett oh <laughs> Well, what is sewer ball to begin with? Kyle Threat. Um, <laughs> it's two touch warm up game before uh, before games. Guys play two touch. You have to call it sewer ball because 
basically the last guy touched the ball. So a lot of guys kicked the ball and sewer the player next to them. Uh, I was certainly much better than, than Kyle Surratt. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Coach, listen, tomorrow night is the game against the Five Flash before a double against uh, Coventry Blaze. How are you guys set up? Uh, I mean, look, we're, I think we had a good practice on Monday and we had another good one today. So, yeah, we're just looking forward to getting over Scotland and uh, back on the road. It's not going to be easy. It's a tough building to to win in um, and it's a tough travel day. So we need to get there, be professionals, and get the job done and come home. Fantastic. Well, listen, Coach, we appreciate your time tonight. Now, good luck through the, through the week. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Adam Keefe. Right, let's have a look around the league. Um, and we'll start off, actually. Do you know what? Don't play this one often enough. Thanks very much to Seth Bennett. Yes, the Department of Player Safety uh, have ruled on Cardiff Devils' Sam Jardine. Uh, he's been given two games for elbowing in a game against the Guildford Flames, a Challenge Cup game against the Guildford Flames over the weekend. Um, I'll start with you, says. Uh, two games seems a little bit lenient, if I have to be asked. Very, very lenient. Um, that was absolutely intentionally knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, you know, Davey put a tweet out there on about retaliation and um, it's uh, it's bang out of order. Uh, I thought it was very, very light um, to come out in the two. Uh, it's Cardiff Devils, so it's, you know, sort of a bit of favouritism maybe, but um, no, it's it's. I thought it was deserved a lot more. Davey? Oh, is, is the player okay? Is the guy actually, okay? I don't know, actually. I you know, don't know. I, that, that could have that, that ended a player's career. You talk about fighting, and I know we're going to, you know, don't want to go back on what we talked about earlier on, but that that could have ended a player's career. Davey? I love Twitter at times like this when Cardiff, <laughs> Devil, when Cardiff Devils, there's a guy called Dom Bate, Dominic Bate, um, who describes himself as a family-first, opinionated, and passionate Welshman. And he supports the Cardiff Devils. And he put a Twitter, a Twitter, a Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> put a tweet out, out earlier saying, I'm not complaining at the ban for Jarling. It is deserved. However, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just wondering if the process for DOPS reviewing incidents has changed. Do opposing Giants fans just need to make a fuck social media to get something reviewed? So he's crediting the Belfast Giants fans for getting um, Jardine suspended. Let's be honest. I did put the, you know, I did, there was a lot of, and, and I mean a lot of, Cardiff Devils. I hate the new sort of um, logarithms or however Cardiff works. Somebody you know likes something else and it puts it in your timeline because I'm no interest in what these people have to say. Um, but there was a lot of um, we were getting our sticks held, we were getting slashed, we were getting hooked. Referees weren't calling anything. Retaliation? And the, so what happened allegedly in this instance which I've seen and didn't see the, the slashes, just like the referees didn't see them. Um, Jardine was skating up the ice and getting slashed repeatedly in the back of the legs, um, at which point he elbows him in the face. And I put the tweet out, and much like the Spiro Galagos incident, retaliation is not justification. If a Correct. referee misses a slash, 
you can't take things into your own hands. He's done very well not to get the, get the gate on the night. I don't understand how he didn't get a uh, game match penalty for that. Um, it's been retrospective. He looked at quite rightly by Dobbs. I do believe the procedure now from Dobbs is they can look at whatever they want. If, if evidence or if, if stuff comes to their attention, uh, you know, they, they can relook at it again. And um, I assume that the um, Guilford Flames are still within their, their right to ask for protection for their players with the by asking for a review of an incident. I, Simon, team's still allowed to ask for a review? I'm not sure, David. I have to admit, I'm really 100% sure. We I'm had sure a case the other week. Who, who, who got reviewed on us the other week? They're suspended. Uh, Forsberg. So, you know, so, so that came from some, some kind of, you know, the Cardiff Devils fans grass us up, Dominic. Don't know, but for me, you know, I think I think he's I think he's pretty lucky that he as I put it, it's a four day ban. He doesn't play tomorrow night. He doesn't play. It's either Friday or Saturday they play again. You know, he misses those two games. Um, Who do they play in the two games? Just out of interest. I think they play Coventry in the Challenge Cup and then Fife in the league, and then they play Dundee in the league the following nights. So maybe for the second of the Scottish double header. But lenient, lenient. I, I, I believe um, if you look at what the incident we're talking about earlier on there, um, I can't think of who the, the player, I think Chris Frank or somebody, got suspended for headbutt. David Rutherford. For David Rutherford, yeah. Very similar kind of, you know, love nuzzle, whatever you'd call it. Not a, It's not a Glasgow kiss headbutt, but you've used your head as a weapon. Um, suspension worthy, suspension you suck it up, you move on. So I think Pierce is lucky enough he didn't get sanctioned on the night and didn't get any follow-up supplementary discipline. And I think that um, Jardine's lucky that he's only missing four days of, of action. In news from the Nottingham Panthers, they're obviously still having a bad time of it, which is you know really sad. Um, but to try to stem that, they've signed Julian Talbot. If you remember the name Talbot, you probably know Joey Talbot, once played for the Sheffield Steelers, uh, scored a lot of goals, a lot with Jeff Legree. Um Julian is his brother, arguably, in my opinion, the better of the two brothers. Julian played quite a few years for Iceberg Berlin. Uh, he dropped down to DEL2 the last couple of years and now has been picked up by the Nottingham Panthers. Personally, I think uh, Talbot was a great goal scorer for Iceberg Berlin. Uh, seems play some absolutely phenomenal games. Saw him score a hat trick against Iserlone. Uh, was a great player. Uh, probably still is a great player. Is this the player the Nottingham Panthers need? I don't know. Um, I, I find it. I said this on Twitter, and I stick by it. I find it a little bit disappointing to see such a good player go into what seems to be a stagnant team at the minute. We'll see if he's able to uh, to change things up there. Uh, Challenge Cup group stages are still going on, Davey. Can you believe that? Oh, it's, you starting mean, car- it's starting to get fatigued, but I'm absolutely delighted to see that on. Sits atop of the goaltending stats and well deserved. So you could say that again, David. You cut out there. I say it's it's. I'm getting fatigued with the the Challenge Cup. I'm playing it for um, almost two months now, and and still some some still some live action. Coventry players have got themselves back. Cardiff Devils aren't over the line yet there either. And but it's great to see um, Andrew Dixon sitting atop of the uh, the goaltending stats, and of course the. Cardiff Devils fans complain that much now the Elite League are going to um, change the statistics to uh, to make him not top, but that somehow they'll make Ben Barnes number one goalie, but hey, whatever. 
<laughs> I find it strange that the group of four teams has completed all their games, but yet the two groups of three teams are still playing weeks later. Only in the Elite League that could happen. That the teams the, the, they have to play two games more, Paddy. Yeah, but still. I know. No, I'm not arguing with. You. I'm not. You know, I'm not disagreeing with you either. It's, but um, like, so again, it, oh, shut up, you. Um, the, you know, I, I just think the whole. I, I just think, there you go. Um, I just think the whole thing needs reviewed. Yep. I, I mean, I, 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 if somebody came up with a better idea, on which way to run it, so all teams. I mean, so you know what? I, I think maybe this year, you know, it looks like it's going to be ten teams again next year in the league. Battle for who deserves to be in the league, who deserves to get those extra games. You know, if it is the top eight teams in the league that they go through the playoffs and they go through the Challenge Cup next season, then so be it. But, you know, this whole thing, to end it up and going into November for games um, and the group stages of the uh, of the Challenge Cup is a bloody joke. I think whenever teams within the league have played four or five or three, four or five, you know, league games more than a team, that the, those Challenge Cup games could have been played instead. So, you know, it's just a bit of... The, the fixture, I'm sure the fixture list, fixture meeting isn't easy, and but the, there needs to be a bit of a... You know, you look at the playoffs, mate, it's a, it's a, it's a one weekend to qualify, and it's yeah. one, one weekend that's over. You know, literally two weekends for the trophy that a lot of players want to win. You know, with that North American mentality, winning the last game of the season, it's massive. You can you, you you know you can literally turn it on for two weekends as Coventry did a number of years ago. Yeah. Had a stinker of a season, turned it on for two weekends, won the won the um, won the playoffs. No, you're and, right, and that goes down forever. And you know you're, you're just into November now. You're eight ten games just to qualify for the quarterfinals. You yep. know, so give either either give the the Challenge Cup some prestige for winning it. You know, you win it, you get qualification for the Continental Cup or something rather than the playoffs. But, you know, it's a much, much harder trophy to win than the playoffs. Take the bottom four teams from the previous season, draw them like a cup style and do a bit of a qualifier to eliminate two of those teams. That leaves you with eight teams. Take those eight teams and turn it there. They're your quarterfinalists. Make a clean draw and just make a, a, a draw and just turn it into a cup competition. Done. Have it all wound up before Christmas. You know what? This is why a GFTB is. <laughs> you know the Cardiff, the Cardiff, the Cardiff Devils fans go on and say about the chance. You know the Devils fans go on about and then say about the chance fans complaining and things happen. You know what? You are welcome. <laughs> hated, adored, but never ignored. That's what. I'm yeah, hated, adored, never ignored. Uh, Elite League roster rule changes took place. Just uh, or sorry, were announced. Uh, just after last week's show went online, um, the headlines: the maximum bench, bench room, the maximum bench strength will change from nineteen plus three to seventeen plus three. The existing ruling regarding under twenty-three players changes to players under twenty or twenty-five and under. The number of imports inverted commas is set at thirteen. The minimum bench strength 
bench strength, I would put my teeth in, required to start a game increases from 12 skaters and two net miners to 14 and two net miners. And starting from the 2021 season, teams will be limited to a total number of 18 imports in one season. An additional 19th import signing will be allowed, will be allowed if the change is related to a net miner. These, Mr. Kitchen, are quite significant changes. Yeah, um, I don't understand why they announced it in the middle of October. No, me um, You know, get it done at the start of the year so you know everybody stands um, for the following season. You know, I, I just think it's getting harder and harder to pick up really good um, British players. Uh, I think that's why they extended the age um, to twenty-five, and you know, it's 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 getting. Yeah, you know, there's a dearth of, of Irish, sorry, of, of English and Scottish and Welsh players, well, Northern Irish as well, um, to play for GB, and and it's getting tougher and tougher to find them, and and it's sort of even getting in the next season. You look at the the, the Brits that we have on the team now. You know, I, I know that Adam and, and um, Thorch will be looking to try and get them agreed for next season already. Um, I know for the guys who are moving forward, and it's it's just that you know. I can see the import level being raised, and not maybe obviously not for next year, but for the following season. Um, you know the, the the level of of competitiveness, the level of of the the standard of the players has, has been improving year on year. Uh, but it, it's getting more difficult for for British players to to you know to break into the teams and to get regular ice time. And and uh, I don't I don't see it improving um, for the British players anytime soon. To be honest. David, the, the the limit of 18 import players in one season, it, it seemed to have gone by the wayside because it wasn't deemed by the Elite League in their press release to be a headline, but that's quite significant as well. I guess it, it gives guys maybe just a little more job security than, you know, some things like a, a, how many, you know, off the top of your head, imports did the Sheffield Steelers use last season, for example? you know, 45. <laughs> they, yeah, they but, but, it's a very good point. I was sitting thinking, I didn't know it was last season. 23. Who used 23? I think it was Car. Oh, sorry, Sheffield used. You keep talking and I'll have a look here. Yeah. So, you know, I know they had, a, they, they had twins or something at the start of the season, didn't they? Got rid of and yeah. just there seemed to be a constant turnover of players there. And then obviously, when a new coach comes in, that, that can shake things up as well. So, I think it's to try and stop teams. Uh, I, I don't know what the reason for it is. It's obviously to stop teams having a high turnover of players, but like in a business, you know, you're trying to get the best people to do a job and you're in the entertainment business and you're trying to put the best team out that you can for the crowd that you're bringing in. So I'm not sure just just what the reason behind that would be. We'll maybe talk to Steve Thornton about that more because he'd been involved in the in the process of making that decision. But, you know, in terms of it's almost stopping the free trade, you know, the free free movement of players or whatever. It's uh, it's all getting a little bit Brexit here. <laughs> yeah, well, Mr. Kitchen asks Mr. Thornton about this in the aforementioned interview. You can get kingdomofthegiants.com. So get yourself over there for uh, Steve Thornton's views on it. Did you find out the, how many there is? 25. From? Last season. For who? Sheffield Steelers. There you go. They'd be done for. You know, so they, they, they'd have had seven imports there. Effectively, this season. 18, did you say was the limit, Paddy? 18 is the limit in one season. You can have a 19th if you want to bring a netminder in. 
So you can basically, uh, 13's, the, 13's the limit, the lower yep. limit, and then you're allowed to effectively make five changes if you yes. want, whereas the Steelers made, brought 14 imports in and made, you know, what, 11 changes last yep. year. So it's 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 massive for a club like Sheffield who, who don't mind gassing a player over, you know, wearing the wrong socks to train or something. <laughs> uh, last point on the around the league before we move on is that there's 17 UK officials that were selected by uh, IIHF. For sorry, for IIHF tournament duty, the likes of uh, of Andy Dalton all back on the long list for the World Championships and part of the uh, the Olympic qualifiers as well. It's a good reflection on the guys that get a lot of grief, not just from us, from from others that shows that they are they are officiating Davy at a high level. It says something about the people that are picking them anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that we are, and I did put a tweet out the other day. I think that we have to congratulate all these people. They're they're doing a tough job, part of the furniture. There's no game without them. All the cliches and all, but you know they've got to the top of their game. Andy Dalton there is going to the World Championships again. Uh, assume as a linesman because um, that's what he did last year. And that's what he did in the CHL rather than putting the armbands on. But you know it's good to see progression. It was good to see at the. Whatever, whatever way the list was written, there was it was the ladies were all left at the end, but there was three or four girls were also um, selected for officiating duties, and and some of the younger guys coming through to to get under eighteens, under twenty world championships and Olympic qualifiers and stuff. So, congratulations to them. It it shows that maybe you know the hullabaloo on Twitter about them being absolutely useless isn't uh, necessarily the feeling across Europe. I think there's one other thing, Paddy, we missed out there. Um, I don't know if you want to add it in, like, um, but it's a you know it's a personal uh, accomplishment for Jonathan Phillips. Um, thousand games oh, in the elite league. Um, you know he's a he's a real nice dad, and, and I know he plays for the Sheffield Steelers. Like, um, but um, congratulations to him. I mean, a thousand games at that level um, is is certainly something to be um, commended for, and and. Uh, I think he again. I think he's been a great player the whole time way through as well, both for Cardiff Devils and and uh, Sheffield Steelers. But uh, congratulations then. Yeah, absolutely, John Phillips is a guy that uh, I had the pleasure of chatting with at uh, one of the charity games at uh, at the Drizzle Dome a couple of years back. Really nice fella, and like I say, it's a great achievement of a player like that to, to at this level as a Britain playing it for Team GB and 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 all the accomplishments there and with the Sheffield Steelers. So yes, congratulations to him. Um, Right, let's have a quick preview of the games that are to take place in the next few days. Uh, first up, we have a game against the Five Flyers on Wednesday night, 7.30pm. This is the first live game on free sports. And, uh, well, we sent our own Mr. Majemsey to chat with the main man, Aaron Murphy. Joined tonight by the voice of, of British hockey, I guess, but the voice of free sports, the voice of Premier Sports. It's Mr. Aaron Murphy. Murph, welcome along. Uh, thanks for having me on, Davey. Delighted to be getting going now with our first of 17 live uh, EIHL games after the, the Champions Hockey League wound down. But uh, yeah, looking forward to getting going. Well, let's talk about domestic action before we have a look at the CHL. You know, as you say, new season kicking off. Um, Excited to go and, you know, start with the defending champions against Kirkcaldy's finest? Yeah, I mean, look, that's a great barn to do a hockey game in. Every time we go to Fife Ice Arena, I mean, it just feels like it reminds me of places where in Newfoundland where I grew up, that sort of old feel to the barn. And 
the, the crowd is right on top of you. And Paul Lady will tell you when he went in there as coach of the Giants, boy, that that crowd can be on the uh, visiting bench. So Adam Keith will know they'll have their hands full uh, in saying that. It's great to start off with the defending champions. That's that's what you do. So, I mean, I know it hasn't been the greatest of starts for the Giants, where they seem to have gotten things going in the, in the last few games. And, and certainly there's been some good battles in Kirkcaldy over the years, and I expect uh, much the same uh, as they get it going again on Wednesday. What do you expect them from this season? You know, and I know that's a a very open ended question because we've had some amazing seasons the last four or five years as the party in the league has, has got closer. But what do you expect? Is there anything you've seen so far this season? Any teams jumping out at you? Any surprises? Well, you just said it there, parity. I, I think it's going to be even tighter. I mean, it's been tight, you know, and every team, every offseason, teams are getting better. They're recruiting better. They're going down different avenues. The Canadian University route, you guys have really found some good players because of the friendship for NCAA roots. So everyone's, you know, casting the net wider and being more creative. But, I mean, you look at it this year, I mean, the Manchester Storm, when people say an old, smaller team and all that, they've had some big, big wins. And then you look at I mean, Fife would have thought that they'd probably advance at least to, to the next stage of the Challenge Cup, and they're out. So there's been all sorts of kind of crazy, meandering storylines so far. But, one thing that I'm certainly looking forward to now, now that we're starting to concentrate on domestic action after the, the Giants and Devils have done in the CHL, is certainly seeing how, you know, the rivalry last year down the stretch and how you guys won the title and how Cardiff, you know, everyone thought Cardiff were going to get it done in Coventry. Again, proving that anyone could win on any given day. So I think there's going to be another sort of last uh, few games or last weekend of the season title, title uh, winning uh, celebration. So I think it's going to be tight. But I'm interested to see how the teams that contended last year, Cardiff, the Belfast, see how they get going. How is it's always tough after you do that European journey against really tough SHL opposition, obviously. So be interesting to see how the Devils and the Giants get going now. Let's look at that the CHL journey that the Giants and, and I suppose we can ignore the Cardiff Devils to a certain extent. It's the Giants focused podcast, but you know um, that CHL first first time in it for the Belfast Giants bit of a different experience from the Continental Cup of the year before and previous years. What do you think the Giants will have taken out of that and how much fun was that doing it for, for Premier and, and Free Sports? Well, it's an honour honor to do those games when an elite, uh, elite team, our EIHL team is up against the likes of Lulio and, you know, it, it is a different step up from the Continental Cup. It's no disrespect to the Continental Cup. I guess it's the, uh, you know, the Europa League to the Champions League. It really is quite a, quite a gulf in speed and talent and depth. And, you know, there's Lulio. You rock into Lulio and they're in ninth in the SHL and you're going, oh, well, they're, you know, they're down towards the bottom of the table. And you just see how good even ninth in the SHL is. And Lulio's picked their season up a little bit. And they'll be a playoff team, no doubt, in the SHL. But I think what Adam Keefe will have learned is the speed is just another notch, another level. Um, the ability to, to score goals in bunches, and certainly the ability, special teams is so so high in the SHL level, whether it's the PK or the power play. So there's always, look, if you're a good coach, which Adam Keefe is, you always learn when you play better opposition. And I think he would have taken a lot away about special teams, about you know the breakout and the speed, how to defend the faster team on the breakout, which could stand them in good stead down the stretch against uh, you know, a speedy Steelers team or whoever. So... I mean, look, let's be honest. It's tough to get out of the group stage. Only one team's ever done that from, from the elite side, the Nottingham Panthers, and it took a lot to fall together in that. They played magnificently well. 
Um, they wrote a hot goaltender, got some timely goal, goal scoring. But, I mean, look, even you look at the Devils and they, they came down to the final day. You guys had a big win on home ice. You, you lost in overtime on home ice. And, I mean, I thought you competed really hard. But when you come down to the last two games of the, of the CHL group stage against Lulio trying to win the group, it's, it's always going to be tough. But there were many lessons learned. And I think the players would have enjoyed it. I, I think they're probably happy being back at the speed of the Elite League, though. Couple of questions to you on that. You know that, that very first game we had against Liberets in, in Belfast, there was a little bit of an allegation, not an allegation. Like <laughs> you know, Liberets maybe took us a wee bit lightly, flew in on the days, you know, just thought it was going to be easy enough, and I came like the noise in the barn that night with like around three thousand. It was almost comparable to the Orland game. It's, it's certainly one of the best games of hockey we have seen because the Giants came out. And fought with fire, and to be fair to Liberates, it was fire with fire, and you know their coach coming out with the the slap shot quotes and stuff, you know. But it was a, a great game to be involved in. But on the backside of that, obviously then we've got Lileo and and going to Liberates, as I was fortunate enough to go. The gulf is vast between us and the CHL teams that that, that we were up against there. Is there an argument? That especially with one way to look at it, the EIHL now are reducing roster sizes, reducing the number of imports in the league. Is that golf going to be harder to, to bridge? Well, first, the first part of your question, I mean, yeah, they, they might have flown in on the day and looked past you, but any team that looks past an EIHL team in the CHL now, well, they should have egg on their face because the last few years have proven, you know, the Lakers, the Victor Lakers have lost, SC Byrne have lost. Liberets have lost, Mountfield have lost. So these teams shouldn't be looking past the EIHL opposition. So you want to fly in on the day and take it lightly, then you should get, you know, beaten beaten down in every regard. And I think that night the Giants beat beat, beat Liberets down pretty good in all facets. I believe Kevin Rain was in good form uh, that evening. But, I mean, look, yeah, the golf, the golf is big now. So you talk about that recent news about, you know, bench size and roster size and all that. Look, the elite league is not going to govern the way they do things based on the champions hockey league. It's down to the individual teams that qualify and want to take part in the champions hockey league to maybe, again, I talked earlier about being creative with your recruitment. You remember the year the Nottingham Panthers went in, they recruited guys and said, well, it's a short term contract just for the champions hockey league. Well, no one's done that since because when you tell a guy, well, you're just here for the champions hockey league and we'll see how it goes. Well, he's not going to go block a shot with his face. Uh, a la Adam Keith back in his playing days, because what happens is if you get injured in that short-term contract, well, you're not going to get picked up somewhere else, and you're not going to stick around in Nottingham. So people learn from Nottingham's first go-around in the CHL that it's no point just recruiting guys to be a part of the CHL and then letting them go once you get back to the elite league level. So now everyone's recruited better in the CHL from the EIHL point of view. So I think teams are going to have to learn and keep uh, evolving within the competition. But you talk to the players and you talk have taken part they all want to keep going and i know the giants fans that i talked to when we were up there at ssc arena they they loved it and they want to be a part of it and i mean it, it comes down to being smart and getting people into university programs and and finding guys that want to play in that shop window but yeah the golf the golf is vast and because i do the shl week in and week out i know how vast it is so i'm under no illusions of how how a team like that is going to beat for Lunda or lulio easily but it can happen, and it has happened. So I, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor, and it's, it's, it's something that the Elite League teams that are top of the table should be aspiring to. And your own thoughts on, on the EIHL rule changes, sort of on bench sizes and import levels? 
Oh, look, I mean, you look at the way that things have gone. You, you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you increase the import levels, people get upset. If you reduce the import levels, people get upset. For me, I mean, look, I want to see more British players coming through. But, but also, let's not forget, you know, some of the best players we've seen over the last few years are those imports. Uh, you know, are the likes of Elias coming in? You know, there's a mystique and a marquee about some of those guys that are playing the NHL or playing the SHL, and it's a fine line, isn't it? Maybe this is the line where they get it right. I mean, I know people weren't happy with 14, so we'll see what happens. My, my perspective, personally, is you look at Team GB the last few years, and they've succeeded at world championship level, whether it's getting promoted and now sticking in that top division for another year. And they, they've, they've had some good dual nationals, but most of the best players on the team you know, the, the Dowds and the O'Connors are, are, you know, homegrown, so to speak. So, I mean, you've got to find the balance, and I guess the Elite League is trying to do that. Let's have a word for your buddy in the booth, um, Mr. Paul Eddy, you know, guy Chris we know. Ellis. Yeah, Chris Ellis is doing well, buddy. <laughs> the, yeah, the, no stranger to the, the guys in Belfast here, you know, he came in and had success. And then I guess we all thought he would go on back into the game in some way, but he's found a little niche in the market there and, and what a guy he must be to work with. I can't get rid of him, Davey. I thought for sure he'd be coaching somewhere by now. No, I mean, <laughs> he, he's a pleasure to work with. And Paul Paul has, I mean, I don't think I'm speaking out of school. He has that offers. There's nothing that suited him. Um, he's got a young family. I've got a young family. You've got kids. Sometimes you have to make decisions on what's best for others around you and your family, not just your own aspirations in this role i think um working with free sports and premier sports it suits them because you might only be away for a day uh, and no one's going to fire you after a bad game instantly and have you holding the bag you know so i think uh he's a great coach he's a great asset to, to the broadcast team he analyzes well over the last few years we've challenged each other to be better uh and he's become really good at that uh, you know analysis that color commentary role we call it in, in north america uh, and with Chris Ellis, uh, ringside, I think it's a good group. We all know each other well. We all know what's expected. I mean, I can be a hard taskmaster at times and say, you know, make sure you know this and make sure you know that. And because I'm like dealing with the producer about sort of production value side of things, everyone does their, their bit. And Paul certainly over the last few years has become invaluable in that analysis, analyst role. And, uh, yeah, I love working with him. I'm glad he hasn't taken a job coaching selfishly because he'd be hard to replace. And uh, then let, let's just quickly look at the, the Free Sports Premier Sports Project as it's now in the, you know, it's a number of years old now since you've, you've managed to, you know, kick that Elite League door in and get our, get us, get our, pro, our, our product on the, on the TV and, and free most of the time. Is that a project that's working out well? Well, I, I think so. I think people are enjoying it. I mean, the ratings were good last year. We were free to air. That's what the league said they wanted. We had a free to air vehicle there. Uh, we went uh, HD on Sky. Like everything that has been asked from that sort of side of what could what could be good, what would could make it work. Well, certainly people well above me here have ticked those boxes, right? Free to air, HD on Sky, free view. Uh, it's available online on the Premier Player. So. I mean, look, it certainly is working in that. I, when I moved over here 12 years ago, you'd get the odd NHL game on NASN. Uh, there might have been a highlight show or, or whatever on Sky from the Elite League. You might have saw one game every couple of months. But now we're into a situation where you can watch the SHL, the CHL, the EIHL. 
you can watch the KHL, the NHL, I mean, and all free. So that sort of side of things has come a long way in 12 years. And I'm not saying it's because of me, but I've been luckily enough to be along for the ride. And I mean, when I first moved over, I used to get excited to see any hockey on TV. Now you can watch it all week long. And I know this, this Saturday, for example, Free Sports has uh, Edmonton at Pittsburgh at 6 p.m. this Saturday. So you can watch a little bit before you go off to your EIHL games. But that's that's Crosby versus McDavid for free. I mean, that's the two best players in the world. So we're living we're living in good times as far as viewership or being a viewer of hockey. So on the EIHL side, I think it's working well. I mean, you'd have to ask the league what they think. I'm not privy to the boardrooms. I think it's going well from their perspective. And um, looking forward to, to getting going tomorrow. And hopefully uh, there are other games tomorrow, which isn't ideal. But certainly hope that there's a good good ratings tomorrow and everyone enjoys it I'm going to throw one last question at you Murph before I let you go I know you're a busy man 20 years the Belfast Giants are this season um, just in another few weeks it will be celebrating our 20th anniversary at the Odyssey Arena um, you must have a little highlight something that you were involved in over the last lot of years that, that sticks out in the memory oh man well I know it's not directly club related but certainly club organized the Friendship Four being part of every Friendship Four it is an honor uh, being there for that first CHL game. is an honor, but to be quite honest with you, it's something to do with me not working. My uh, my little boy turned four last February, and my dad used to take me to hockey games all the time. It's a special part of our our relationship, and obviously my dad's back in Canada, so I miss him. But my, the the biggest uh, thing that I that stands out for me is the the coolest or the funnest moment was last February taking him to see uh, Belfast versus Glasgow for his birthday as a bit of a surprise and long drive from Dublin to Belfast. He kept saying, where are we going? Where are we going? And got there and Mark Brooks and the team took care of me. He was in a, in a box next to big Sis doing the uh, giants live. He had a Jersey and a foam finger and he sat during that game. And it was, he still talks about it. And um, funny enough, packed up a few weeks ago against Manchester on the Saturday night for his second game. So, most important thing for me of those 20 years and then my 12 years over here is seeing the joy in the little four-year-old's eyes, seeing live hockey for the first time. He told Shane Johnson in that, that game last February that the, the Giants were going to win the Stanley Cup. So Shane said, you're welcome here anytime. He's got big uh, big vision for, for the Belfast Giants going on in the Stanley Cup. So, um, I mean, a bit of a meandering answer, but that's my that's my greatest memory. Mate, as a dad of little kids, you've got me right in the fields there. I'm going to have to leave it at that. Then thank you very much for your time. I wish you all the best tomorrow night and, uh, of course, the Belfast Giants over in Kirkcaldy. Davey, thanks for having me on any time, brother, and I hope to cross paths with you in the, in the flesh soon. Thanks to Murph. Uh, yep, free sports for that game uh, Wednesday, 7.30pm in Kirkcaldy for the game against the Five Flowers and then on Saturday and on Sunday the Belfast Giants have a home and home series against the Coventry Blaze Saturday at 7pm in uh, in the SSE Arena and then over to the Sky Dome in Coventry on Sunday at 5.30pm both in Elite League action. Before we chat about the games, uh, let's hear from Danny Stewart, the head coach of the Coventry Blaze as he chatted earlier on with Joel. With his Coventry Blaze side leaving for Cardiff to take on the Devils in a crucial Challenge Cup game tomorrow night, we're grateful now to welcome head coach Danny Stewart back to you from the bridge. Uh, coach, thank you very much, first of all, for taking the time out. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad, thanks for having me. 
Uh, always good to have you. Now listen, uh, straight into it, you're coming off the back of a, a, an impressive four-point weekend with wins over Sheffield on the road Saturday and Nottingham on, uh, at home on Sunday. And your 7-4 and four league form to date has you right in the mix. You know, you're sitting second place there behind the Glasgow clan. Not only that, but as we just uh, discussed, uh, a win over Cardiff and Wales tomorrow will see you through to the, the knockout stages of the Challenge Cup. I think you would call that a pretty decent start to the season. Yeah, no, no, we're we're happy. Obviously, I mean, I think every team can say there was a, you know, a couple of results we we felt we would like to see go our way. I think we we performed well enough to to do that. But you know, all in all, yeah, no, very happy with our start. Um, obviously, we wanted to put ourselves in a good good position in the league and obviously uh, in the cup as well to to progress. So. Um, you know, obviously in the cup, we uh, I spoke about those results. You know, there was one game in Guildford there where they'd come back from uh, <clears throat> a long trip, and you know, I think I think for the most part, they were, it was a game that we we felt we should have won, but uh, unfortunately we didn't. And it might be it might make it things tough on us going forward. But uh, you know, we we got to go into Cardiff tomorrow and get a win. And when we do that, we progress. And taking a look at your squad this year, in the off-season you signed a, a core of eight returnees, including the likes of Luke Ferrara and the, the evergreen, ageless Ross Venus. And you also brought in 12 new faces, uh, and that included a mixture of EIHL experience, like uh, current leading scorer Evan Bloodoff. And you brought a couple of first-year pros out of college in, John Curran and Dylan Eichat. Did you get a sense early on that there was a little bit of secret sauce about this team? Uh, are they living up to the idea that you had in your head whenever you went to market in the off-season? I, I, I think they are now. Um, you know, again, there's always, you know, I think every coach will, will say the same thing. There's always, you know, recruiting in this league. There's, there's certainly an element of luck as well. Um, but, you know, as much as you do your due diligence, you know, you, you hope things turn out the way you expected. And I think, I think right at the very start, you know, it, it took some time, the first couple of weeks there. Um, you know, we were, we were giving up a few goals and, um, maybe not playing exactly the way we wanted to play, but listen, I mean, with, with that big of a turnaround that that's expected. And, um, I think we've continually gotten better. And so I, I think I can say at this point that, uh, you know, I'm happy with the signings. I'd say for the most part, they've all turned out to be, um, as I expected, if not better. And, um, you know, through that is probably a reason why we, we've put ourselves in a good spot in the league. And, um, but listen, no, nobody's getting ahead of themselves here. It's only October. We've had a good start, but you know, our focus is just one game at a time and, and, and continuing to play the way we are so we can pick up results. And just if I can pick on that just a little bit, uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of your guys that you've, you've brought straight out of the NCAA. That seems to be a, a sort of uh, growing theme in our league uh, versus maybe the older years where you would have brought in guys coming down the other end of their career, say from the AHL, the NHL. What's your opinion on those younger guys coming into the league? Are they changing it? Yeah, I think it goes, I think it's due to, to, to both ends of the spectrum. I mean, we obviously we, we couldn't recruit out of the NCAA until 2010, I believe it was. Um, you weren't allowed to take a guy right out of the NCAA, but, um, two t- 2010, that changed, you know, a few teams started looking at the NCAA and CIS back then. And I, I mean, I remember my very first job taking, you know, I think two guys out of CIS and, um, you know, I think, I think teams are looking at that a lot more, but I think the availability is there a lot more because our league has a way better reputation and some of these NCAA guys certainly are are more open to coming to the UK in their first year pro whereas I think five six years ago maybe they weren't as much so um I think from from teams perspective they're definitely looking down that route a lot more but also those NCAA guys are looking at the UK as as a better option for themselves as well 
And what's your impression of the Elite League as a whole so far this year? There's a lot of talk about the unpredictability of the league. Do you get a sense that that competitive gap of five or six or more years ago, do you get a sense that's continuing to narrow? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 100%. I mean, it's... You, you, you can't. I wouldn't want to be a betting man. Um, <laughs> so it's a long league. I, I tell you what, it's, uh, you know, anyone can beat anyone on any given night. There's a lot of things, elements that go into it and, you know, with travel and, you know, back to back nights. And, um, but, you know, even then it's tough to predict. You've seen a lot of shock, not sh- I shouldn't say shock, a, a lot of upsets on the road and a lot of, you know, just games you cannot you wouldn't you wouldn't foresee happening so um and that's a testament to all the teams all the organizations i think i think we've got 10 clubs that are doing things the right way and you know i think i think the coaches across the league are very are doing a very good job or very well prepared and um maybe some familiarity as well you know a lot of coaches that have been around and you know starting starting to recognize how how certain coaches play their games so i mean that certainly helps as well in in, in preparation for games but uh no it's a testament to the league i mean it's so close now and you know you're always going to have your 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 top teams and and and, and your so-called bottom teams but like i said that gap is 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 shortened you know from even yeah i even think three four years ago and um it's great to see it it makes it such a more competitive league Uh, and just finally before we wrap this up uh, adam keith will give me the death stare if i ask him about anything beyond the next game so i know you have more pressing issues on your mind today but if you'll help me out for just one second uh, this week's home and away series is the first meeting between the coventry blaze and the belfast giants Uh, what's your impression of the giants so far are you expecting a battle this weekend on the road and then back at home yeah, I mean, playing against the Giants, you're always going to expect a battle. Um, you know, Kiefer's, you know, they're a well, well coached team and, um, you know, you know, they're going to play with a little bit of grit, you know, under Keefe. So, um, they've, they've got good balanced lineup, obviously good goaltending. They've got, they've got some, some solid D-men back there with some size and some grit and, you know, forwards as well. They got a good balance of skill and, 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 and grit as well. So, you know, they're, they're, they're a team that plays heavy and, you know, I think, uh, you know, we'll definitely have to expect a battle all weekend and, and we'll have to up our game and from a physical standpoint and um but like i said when, when we're playing and we're when we're playing the way we want to play i think we can compete and beat anyone so um you know obviously we'll get through cardiff and then we'll turn our attention to them thanks to danny um okay so fife uh and two games against coventry says on the back of a four-point weekend and what happened to manchester we heard from the coach earlier on and the learning that the Giants have to do there, but there's an opportunity here in the away game to five to put right what went wrong the last time we were there. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, he's already said when we were talking to him earlier that it's a tough place to go into. Um, it's it's live on free sports, as we know. Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough ask. You know, again, we've got a travel day to get there. It's, I'm assuming it's probably going to be 11.30 ferry uh, on standing line, so the boys will not get the five. Uh, until about probably half five, quarter to six. So it's, it's straight in. Um, they'll need to get ready to go. They're, 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 you know, they're, they've done a f- the trip a few times now, so uh, there's no time to, um, to to settle on your laurels to a certain extent. They need to get ready to go, and that's from the first drop of the puck. So I'm expecting a, a, another good performance tomorrow night. Um, it, it's one of the places where, you know, five of are usually pretty decent in the league, but they're not finding it easy this, this season either. And they've obviously missed out in the Challenge Cup uh, for the uh, the last place there. So, you know, they'll be hurting from that and obviously the chance going through. So it's going to be tough, but I expect us to, to get the win tomorrow night. 
Coventry Davy have been doing pretty well of late. They're riding high. They've got wins last weekend over Nottingham and Sheffield. They've got wins over the Cardiff Devils. They're obviously they've obviously put a decent side together. Yeah, they've got a little bit of everything. They're they're fast, which is is key in this league. You know, we've talked about speed kills, as the old Steve Thornton saying, and uh, you know they have that in abundance. Um, seem to be a little bit more solid in the in the Sky Dome than they have been in, in several years. Special teams, especially just looking at their special team numbers over the last two, three weekends have been really, really exceptional. Good on the kill, very good with the extra man. So um, no mugs. And uh, as you said, they've came up with some big results against teams that you would, in, in the last number of years that they've maybe dropped, you know, games against the good win against the Panthers at home, good win against the... the, the um, the Cardiff Devils a couple of weeks ago as well. So, uh, you know, I think they play, they, they yes, they, they play Cardiff tomorrow night as well. Yep. And uh, before, before they have us home and home on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a difficult weekend for sure. Absolutely. So those games, Fife, Wednesday, 7.30pm, live on free sports from Kirkcaldy. And then on Saturday, 7pm, Elite League Action at the SSE Arena. Get your tickets online or on 0844-847-2455. Get yourself down to the SSE Arena. And if you can't, Mr. Kitchen will take you through the game on Giants TV. And on Sunday, 5.30pm, over at the Sky Dome, the Belfast Giants take on the Coventry Blaze once again. You'll be able to join Ed Kimberley and Stuart Coles on that on the Blaze webcast, 5.30pm. Any other business, boys? I have a couple of things. Um, the... Actually, no, don't. I've only got one. Um, <laughs> OSC, OSC uh, are holding a speed quiz next Monday night in the black box at Hill Street in Belfast. All the players are going to be there. Um, we're still got a few spots left. They want to try and fill that place up with a, um, a player on each team. So um, it's uh, £10 per person. Uh you can join uh, the OSE desk if you go to it on Saturday night and you book your place or send an email to osc.belfastchallenge.com uh, to reserve your space. As I say, there's a few spots left, not a hell of a lot, uh, but it uh, should be a good crack. Um, you know, it was the first chance to, to see all the players off the ice this season. Um, I know there's a few of them go up into the uh, Makudas after different games and stuff like that, but it's the first gathering that they've had um, off the ice for the OSC this season. So, um, we're going to announce another event uh, very, very soon, probably on that night itself, and give those people the opportunity who are there to make the booking uh, for the next event that's it's going to be there. So um, come along. As I say, it, it, they're always good crack. And, uh, and yeah, hope to see you there. Mr. Jimsey? Oh, the only uh, the only um, any other business I have is a, is a wee shout-out to wee Blakey to get well soon. Not yeah. feeling so well today, so... Uh, Get well soon, buddy. Absolutely, here, here. And of course, and of course, we see obviously on his travels. Ethan McLean is over in uh, Pittsburgh today. Fingers yeah. crossed for him. He's 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 big big Sydney Crosby fan. You never know what'll work out there, whether he'll get the meat syndicate or not. But if he does, it'll be something that uh, is on his list of things that he has always wanted to do. So fingers crossed for him. And uh, whether he does or not, hope he has a lovely holiday. Here, 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 here.
Uh, right, on that note, let's uh, good note to close the show. Uh, big thanks to Adam Keith, Danny Stewart, Anne Murphy, and of course to Dylan who opened the show for us. Um, you can get in touch with us at AVFTB on Twitter. KingdomoftheGiants.com is the website. Podcast at KingdomoftheGiants.com if you want to send us an email. SoundCloud.com, Facebook, all the usual sort of things. The games this week, Fife Wednesday, 7.30pm live on Free Sports, and then Saturday, 7pm at the SS arena against the Coventry Blaze. Get yourself down there or join Sizz on Belfast Giants TV and of course the away game of 5.30pm on Sunday again against the Coventry Blaze over at the Sky Dome and if you can't get over to that you can follow it on the Blaze webcast with Ed and Stu. Um, Mr Kitchen and Mr McGimsey, thank you for your time. Thanks James. Cheers lads. And wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey and we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Sports Social Podcast Network.